it spins around. You recognize this sound? Well, it's the underground. You know that we're down with what you like. With what you like. And though we're usually on the serious tip, check it out. Tonight we're gonna flip and trip and let it all hang out tonight. We're gonna say what we like. Cause yo, yo, we wanna know how many people in the flow will like to just let yourselves go and do what you like. What's the night tonight? Just eat food, try not to be crude or rude. Kill the attitude, chill the serious mood and do what you like. And do what you like. Everybody do what you like. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rob Genius Podcast. We are here. 2021 is flying by. Uh, if you're hearing this on debut day, it is April 30th. If you're hearing this after debut day, then it's May already. Which means in a few weeks, I will be 47 years old. But uh, we'll get to that when the time is appropriate. Uh, right now, uh, well, what's going on in the world? Well, the Falcon and Winter Soldier wrapped up. I got some things to say about that. We had... What else did we have? What else did we have? Well, we had a presidential address to Congress. Maybe I'll dip into that a little bit. And who knows what else is out there? Oh, the Oscars. Yes, 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 the Oscars were this past week end. And as somebody who does not watch the Oscars very often, but does kind of follow what's going on with the nominees and all of that, um, got a few things, a few thoughts there. Not good ones. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, and so we got that. We got that going on. And... Whatever else comes to mind between now and the time you're hearing this. Who knows? But anyway, uh, what you heard bringing us in was Digital Underground. And I am playing them because the kind of leader, front man of the group, Shock G, passed away at age 57 last weekend. And to be honest, Digital Underground had not <clears throat> really been on my radar as far as picking music. And that's 
as much of a indictment of me as it is the music industry and all because in their very brief heyday they they were really hot and they continued putting out stuff for a while after that but they are an example once again of rappers being thrown away way too early so I'm be playing all of their stuff and they're just well as basically a tribute to Shock G, right? Because he was a very talented musician. You know, on top of being, you know, his skills as a rapper, uh, he, he was a very talented musician. Digital Underground was very much inspired by, you know, Parliament Funkadelic and similar groups. You can hear it all through their music. And he's a West Coast guy. I think, they, I think they were based out of Oakland. And look, I'll talk about that more. I do have a... I'm going to have a few longer thoughts on all of that. So I will get to that later. But just briefly, they're playing us in and out of breaks this week. Uh, with one exception. So I hope you enjoy them. And, you know, keep listening as I get to talk about them at length later. But for now, let's get the party started. Let's get the ball rolling here. And whatever other cliches you might have in mind. <laughs> and we're going to give you some more digital on the ground. And then we will start off with talking about the Oscars. Yeah. Be right back. All right, I got to talk about the Oscars here. Because it was nonsense this year. Now, I don't watch the Oscars very often. Because, for the most part, the movies that I like to watch are not types that get nominated for Best Picture. Right? I mean, I watch 
superhero movies and Star Wars movies and action movies and yeah, that's pretty much it, right? Now I'll do a little comedy here or there. But nothing gets nominated for, you know, action for best picture. Like they're not nominating Fast Nine for Best Picture. Well, you know, this year, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong not getting nominated for Best Picture, right? And, you know, Vin Diesel's not getting nominated for Best Actor. And, yeah, I don't think they're going to nominate Scarlett Johansson for, or Johansson or Joe, whatever it is. Scar Joe! <laughs> they're not nominating them for Best Actress for being Black Widow. All right? Not happening. So, yeah, I, normally the movies I like don't get nominated for stuff. And, you know, when I will tune in on the rare occasion that, you know, it's one of those years where some movies I've seen and liked get nominated for stuff. Or if there's a particular actor who's up for something and expected to win or hope people hoping he would win, and, you know, I might check in to see if he or she wins. So this year didn't do that. But, you know, I kind of kept up with the process and a lot of people were really hopeful that Chadwick Boseman would win for... Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or something. I I know I messed it up, but and, and I made it sound like some type of porn situation, right? <laughs> but if Ma Rainey's something or other, right? That's what he got nominated for, he was best actor for, right? And then, so you know, people were hoping that he would get it. You know, because all the reviews and reports said he did a really awesome, excellent job. And, of course, he passed away last year, so... Unless there's some other movie he was in that hasn't come out yet. This is it. Lots of people were hoping for. A lot of people were hoping for that. And then, they kind of... It looked like they were tipping their hand when they gave out these kind of really weird... You know, what they call them, NFTs? Uh, non-fungible tokens. Whatever, that, 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 that look like Chadwick Boseman. And those are really weird and strange and bizarre, but they, they gave them out. And that's... That seemed like they were kind of tipping their hand. Because normally, you know, something like that is a tipping of the hand. Right, I mean... When the year that Denzel Washington won Best Actor and Halle Berry won Best Actress, they gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Sidney Poitier. Right? Kind of gave away the game there. Well, either that or they, they were kind of hedging against you know any backlash should neither one of them have won. But they kind of tipped their hand, right? And then one year, Martin Scorsese won Best Director, and you know the people they had announcing Best Director... George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Francis Ford Coppola. And if you're wondering what that means, well, those are his boys. Right? All the four of them, you know, they did film school together. They, they're boys. You know, they've been kicking it for ever. So you don't have his boys up there to announce the winner if he's not going to win. Right? That would have just been really stupid. So they kind of, you know, so certain things just kind of suggest a tipping of the hand. So this NFT thing 
it would look like a tipping of the hand so what did they do what happened they gave the award to Anthony Hopkins I mean Anthony Hopkins does not need another Oscar okay now Grant he only won one he won for like Hannibal Lecter and you know, Silence of the Lambs back in 1992 but I mean of all the times to give him a second one pick now I mean come on now what are we doing what are y'all I'm sorry not, not what are we doing what are y'all doing right and before you even start with well they shouldn't give people Oscars for sentimental reasons man please All right, they give people Oscars because they haven't won one yet. All right. They gave Al Pacino one for Scent of a Woman because he hadn't won one yet. And I think that was the year Denzel did Malcolm X. And come on, now, what am I, I mean, come on. Right, so... And, and this is a funny cycle because they gave Al Pacino that one because he hadn't won one yet and they felt like oh we, we can't let Al check out of here one day but Al never never gotten one he's too good for that so they gave him one when he probably shouldn't have gotten it and when somebody else should have and there's a domino effect because Denzel won for training day and look he did a great job in training day but that was a makeup call because there were a couple of times he should have won best actor and it, it didn't happen so they gave him a makeup call, and I think that year was a Russell Crowe. I'm mean, sure they won for Beautiful Mind, right? Because they gave they gave because they were giving Denzel the wake up the makeup call, not the wake up call, <laughs> the makeup call. Russell Crowe didn't get it, didn't get it that year, and of course, they thought it was alright to give Denzel you know the makeup call that year because Russell Crowe had won the year before, I think for like Gladiator or whatever, right? So I mean, that's what happens, right? So just like this endless. Not endless, but there are a bunch of times where they gave people Oscars as a makeup call. Or as a, we better give them one now because they haven't gotten one yet. And we better make sure they get one before they're out of here. I mean, they do that all the time. So please don't tell me you, you can't give one out for sentimental reasons. Okay. I mean, look, as long as the performance is Oscar worthy then hell yeah you can get one out for sentimental reasons right I mean Heath Ledger got one because he died playing a joke right now was that performance Oscar worthy yes alright yes it was that was an all time great performance in a movie alright but did sentimental reasons break any ties that some voters may have had Hell yeah, they did. So if you're telling me that you shouldn't just give it to him for sentimental reasons and Chadwick Boseman, I mean, come on now. And look, again, but no, but again, from all the reports and the reviews, his actual performance was Oscar worthy. Okay? It was worthy of him winning. So it's not like, you know, it's not like we're saying that he should have gotten an Oscar for, you know, when he played Black Black Panther in Civil War, when he was on screen for like maybe 20 minutes, right? We're not saying that. 
Although his scenes in that movie were just straight up kick ass awesome. But still, right? We're not saying that he should have won an Oscar for that. This is a performance where, from all accounts, he gave an Oscar worthy performance. And he's not with us anymore. So the last time you got a chance to give him one, so you just should have given him a damn award. Okay? It ain't that hard. It really ain't that hard. But that takes us to the heart of the matter here. And the heart of the matter is the Oscar voting process is some nonsense. It is ridiculous. It, it just is. Because every year, well, well, every year, like in one of the, like Vanity Fair, one of the magazines, you know, they have a, you know, candid round table with some Oscar voters or either that or they, they go around and they ask some Oscar voters and they get like, um, you know, confidential answers. And basically they tell you how, how the process really goes, which means they give you, they, they give you the inside track on all the bullshit. All right, and then, I mean, they sit there and they, they, they will literally say, well, man, I ain't voting for no movies from that studio. I don't like them jokers, right? I don't like that actor. I'm not voting for anything they do. Or, well, if she's on the ballot, she's getting my vote. And that's usually, that's like Meryl Streep, right? I mean, there are people who basically, if Meryl Streep is on the ballot, then Meryl Streep is winning. <laughs> okay, um, right? And then and some of these folks are just straight up racist, right? I mean, and when I say ra- I'm not, I'm not accusing them of racism. I'm telling you, did they come out and say it? Like, um, one year, um, it was the year after I think Twelve Years of Slave won everything. Then the next year, like, Selma was up for a bunch of awards and like one other movie, and didn't. Did none of them get no awards? And that year, like the like the confidential voters, one of them was like, "Well, the black people won everything last year. Why we got vote for them again?" Right? I mean, I know that that's what they said, right? That's not me, you know, making stuff up here. That's what they said. I mean, that's the kind of thinking that goes into this. So I can almost guarantee you that once the wave built up. You know, where a lot of people feel like, well, y'all just got to give it to Chadwick Boseman. I guarantee you there's some people like, man, I ain't giving, man, you ain't going to tell me what to do. Man, you ain't going to tell me who to vote for. I'm voting for somebody else. Because you can't make me vote for nobody. Right, and look, look, these people are supposed to be better at this than me and you. All right. These are the, you know, members of the Academy, right? These, these are the folks who are supposed to be, like, film experts or... Or people who know film better than me and you, right? Who can who can watch movies and discern certain things better than me and you. That's what they're supposed to be. Now, of course, a lot of these folks, turns out they don't even watch all the movies. And they, they, they admit it. They admit, oh man, I ain't watch that. I mean, they'll come out and say they didn't watch it. And they're voting. Look, I mean, I mean, reason number one why I would not even want to 
be an Academy voter, whether it's for the Oscars or the Grammys or the Emmys or whatever, is I don't watch all this stuff. Because look, if I was an Oscar voter, man, look at it. Anytime a superhero movie got nominated, then that's what would be the best picture. All right? I'll tell you right now. If, you know, when uh, Dark Knight was on the ballot, I'd vote for Dark Knight. Okay? I mean, I don't know if Infinity War was on the ballot. Infinity War should have been on the ballot. Okay? I mean, pulling that movie off and juggling all of those characters and all those people and all those different scenes and situations... And and, and, and and weaving together a compelling story that ran through all those characters. That is a masterful achievement in cinema. Alright. That should have been rewarded with some Oscars. But because it's a superhero movie, probably didn't even get nominated. Alright. So if I was an Oscar voter, I would just pick, you know what? Best picture would probably be the movie that I saw out of the nominees. Alright, if I saw one of the movies out of the nominees that'd be the best picture because that'd be the one I saw okay if I saw more than one then I'd probably just pick whichever one I liked the most which well I mean, I mean best actor would be like whichever actor I liked the most unless there was just some something I thought was an overwhelmingly great performance but if I thought they were all kind of even then I would just probably pick who I liked the most oh Denzel nominated again well Denzel's winning I mean right I mean that'd be me That'd be how I'd be voting, right? I mean, you know, best actress, I'd probably be entirely superficial about it. Unless, again, unless there was some something, some movie I saw with one of the nominees that I thought was just some overwhelmingly great performance, I'd probably be superficial as all get out. Alright? I'd look at the nominees and go, well, she's the prettiest to me. She's the best actress. <laughs> okay? I mean, right now, I mean, that, look, that's probably what I'd be doing. Right? Which is why I'm not a voter. Which is why I shouldn't be a voter. Right? Look, if I voted on the Emmys, Law and Order win every year. For best drama or whatever. Right? I mean, our best variety show would be Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Right? But that's why I'm not a voter. Because I don't, you know, I don't have this kind of highbrow, high-minded opinion, or you know, watchful eye of things on film, and I don't have that kind of ear for music either. I don't. And I don't watch plays, so you definitely don't want me voting on Tony Awards. But um, I mean, the process stinks, and. Because they don't they don't follow their own like unwritten rules, right? Like that's basically what the problem is. Alright. So Chadwick Bozeman should have won because by all accounts he gave an Oscar worthy performance. And he died last year. So they should have gave it to him. It ain't that hard. Alright, Anthony Hopkins is still here. And in fact, you know, look, he he wasn't even at the ceremony. And when he gave his acceptance for the award, he talked about Chadwick Bozeman. I mean, how many times are we going to have something embarrassing like that with a winner, where the person who wins the award has to get up there and be like, well, look, I shouldn't have got this. Y'all just gave it to them instead. Right? I mean, how many times? Because that puts them in a bad spot. Right? I mean, if I did the work, 
And if I, if I, you know, and if I truly believe that I did a great job and people who saw it and whatnot said I did a truly great job, Mm -hmm. but someone else should have gotten the award, then they should get the award because it ain't never going to hit right. It ain't never going to feel right. If I look, if, if if you know deep down inside somebody else should have gotten the award and they gave it to you, but then you, you know, but then at the same time you kind of feel like, well, look, I did the work and I did great work too, and I didn't vote, right? You know, I mean, I don't know. Well, I do know this: they should have given that award to Chad McGolden, Okay, that's what they should have done. They should have given him the damn award. Anthony Hopkins already has one. And at this point, he probably doesn't care about getting another one. Man, 80-something years old. So get it right next time. Well, it won't be no next time for Chadwick because he's gone now. So next year, next time, get it right. For whoever should win. Stop being stupid. Anyway, break time. Back in a minute. Myself. My name is Humpty, pronounced with the Humpty. Yo, ladies, oh, how I like to funk thee. And all the rappers in the top ten, please allow me to bump thee. I'm stepping tall, y'all, and just like Humpty Dumpty, you're gonna fall when the stereos pump me. I like to rhyme, I like my beats funky, I'm spunky. I like my oatmeal lumpy, I'm sick with this. Straight gangster Mac, but sometimes I get ridiculous. I'll eat up all your crackers and your licorice. Oh, yo, fat girl, come here, are you ticklish? Yeah, I caught you fat. And never stop me from getting busy, I'm a freak I like the girls with the boom I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom I'm crazy, allow me to amaze thee They say I'm ugly but it just don't faze me I'm still getting in the girls' dance And I even got my own dance Alright, so with a couple of exceptions, the music this week is provided by Digital Underground, and I threw in a couple of Tupac tracks in there also, or like one Tupac track, I'm sorry, <laughs> and that's because, you know, it um, featured Shock G and Money B from Digital Underground, because, you know, Tupac started out in Digital Underground, anyhow, um, Okay. So, Digital Underground from Oakland, West Coast, uh, they had a fairly long run. Well, they actually were, you know, touring and, you know, 
making music up until 2008. And they, according to Wikipedia, they officially started in 1987. Now, I first heard them when I was in high school. And uh, it was when they made a Do What You Like. I think that was the first song I heard from them. I was in high school. And then the one that really blew up was Humpty Dance. But, like a lot of rap groups, like most rap groups, they got thrown in the dustbin pretty quickly. And when I say thrown in the dustbin, I mean, like, well, they kept making music and they kept touring, right? Up until 2008. But they were more or less done as a relevant group. Um, man. Before I finished high school. Yeah, I mean, I finished high school in 92. And they had already had their big hits. And that was all. I mean, they felt more music. And then, but the closest thing you could call them having a hit after I was finished high school was when uh, I get around when, you know, when Shock G and Money be wrong, I get around with Tupac. But that was Tupac's song on Tupac album. So that's about that's about the closest you know you're going to get to a hit from them, and that was ninety four maybe ninety three ninety four. So yeah, so they had a relatively short run as a as I would say as a relevant you know charting music act. And then we threw them away. And now Shock G was... Well, he was 57 when he passed. And they were done, again, as a relevant group as far as making music that got, you know, that got on the charts. Again, before I finished high school. I finished high school in 1992. So... We're talking, you know, um, 30 years basically, and which means he was done. Which means when they were done as a, you know, again as a act that made music that was on the charts, he was 27 years old. years 28 29 he wasn't 30 done before 30 again that's what we do with rappers for the most part you know done before 30 definitely before 35 so you know guys like Drake and Future are on the clock I'm not saying that like as a diss or anything, but it's just, um, just my history. Yeah, they just they they don't have a long time to go. But what you know, Shock G did and with Digital on the ground and just and just as a musician himself was pretty remarkable stuff. I mean, they clearly inspired by, you know, Parliament Funkadelic. I mean, you can hear just, you know, 
through the bass lines and everything, all through their music. And, you know, and, you know, arguably their biggest contribution was Tupac Shakur, right? Um, you know, he started out as a roadie for them, dancing on stage, and then I think they, you know, they let him rap a little bit here and there. And then his big breakthrough was when he did that verse on same song, right? And that was the first that most of us heard of him, right? And then from there, you know, he launched a solo career that took off. So, you know, it's, you could very easily say that Digital Underground's, you know, biggest deal as far as musically or was being the launching pad for Tupac and his career. But that shouldn't diminish the music they put out. They put out some really good stuff over a lot of years. And I'm mostly playing the stuff, you know, from when they were a bigger deal. Because that's what I'm familiar with. Because, you know, when I say we throw groups away, I'm guilty of that too. Right? I, I was not out here searching for digital underground music once they were not a big deal anymore. But I definitely recommend you go, you know... Go through their catalog, find their stuff. And as for Tupac, look, I, I was never the biggest Tupac fan. Alright, and like, I didn't hate him or anything, right? But it's just, yeah, I, I just was never that big of a fan. Obviously, he had some songs he, that he made that I thought were really good, that I really liked. But to be honest, he just, you know what? He wasn't speaking to me. Alright, I mean, he's, he was speaking to a lot of people and was speaking some real, you know, big, in, inspiring things to a lot of people. He wasn't speaking to me, right? I mean, and that's fine, because you don't have to, right? <laughs> you didn't have to speak to me when I was in high school as an artist. You don't have to speak to me now. You never do, right? But, yeah, I just, you know, I, me and him just were never on the same page. Which is fine. Which is why I'm, you know, I'm getting in some of his stuff here. You know, because it, it would probably be a while before I devoted like a whole show to him if I were to do it. So this is a good opportunity for me to get some stuff in there that, you know, I did like from him. So anyway, Digital Underground and Tupac, you know, tribute to Shock G passed away last week at the age of 57 so time to play some more of that stuff and then we will get back to the show
All right, so Falcon and Winter Soldier is all finished. And I got to say that I actually did like it better than WandaVision. Well, for one, it was more standard kind of superhero kind of fare, right? It was more action, um, more characters involved, you know, and more cool stuff going on, and... Honestly, well, it hit differently on, you know, the emotional levels also. For me. And it was only six episodes. Where, you know what, I don't know. I mean, WandaVision was nine. And it felt like one or two too many. You know, for the story they were telling. This, I mean, they, they could have put another episode or two I think but with it ending the way with it ending like they did with six it left you wanting more and ultimately that's usually the best way to go it's usually better to leave people wanting more than for them to think that you know you could have cut you could have stood to shave some off of it so I think you know that standpoint they made the right call and you know the story came out Friday after, you know afternoon that they are you know in Captain America 4 is in the works and the same people who wrote Falcon and Winter Soldier so it's going to be you know it's going to be Anthony Mackie as Captain America and which I'm all for and um, now what's funny is though is that before this you know mini series series whatever you want to call it it was kind of hard to picture him being Captain America right which of course was the point the point was him you know that over the course of these six episodes you know he had to grow as a character into the man who would, you know, wear the stars and stripes and carry the shield. And now he was always, you know, worthy of it. He was always the right person. But he didn't believe in himself. And, you know, there were others who didn't quite believe either. And so he, you know, he had to come into that. And part of coming into that is, you know, is not just you realizing your own talents and abilities, but, you know, people around you coming to realize them. And also people seeing what the alternatives are, right? You know, because the old hurts and not exactly. Well, you, I mean, people needed to see what not exactly exactly <laughs> what not exactly meant right and in this case not exactly was in the form of John Walker who would you know become a US agent right um, that was not exactly and, but we had to see people had to see what exactly that was first you know, so Sam doubted himself um, the only person who didn't really doubt him was Bucky you know the Winter Soldier and that's 
largely because he was hung up from the beginning on what you know Steve Rogers said and what Steve Rogers thought and in the whole line he had to say well if Steve was wrong about you then he was wrong about me too right um and also I mean well um you know War Machine Rudy he was in episode one and he was kind of saying the same telling him that he should have taken it also but you know he had to grow into the role that he was supposed to play for that you know and then very similar to you know Aragorn and uh, Aragorn and Lord of the Rings where like he was always the guy but he had his own doubts and people around him saw him a certain way and all of that you know so they I took some you know hero's journey to figure it out for him to figure himself out and for other people to see it in him and all of that stuff that's what this was about and I thought they did a great job of that like I said there was non-stop action start to finish you know we got to see Sharon Carter and Baron Zemo and you know we got to see the other flag smashers who were villains from the Nick Spencer Captain America run um a lot of this was a lot of those kind of concepts and ideas for this were lifted from that from Nick Spencer's time of you know writing both Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson so I, it was great and you know there were just some some moments in episode six when you know when he was talking to Isaiah Bradley and when he gave you know the, the Captain America speech you know and just emotional moments that hit right and now so, you know, when I talked about WandaVision before I said that I would probably you know never watch it again or I wouldn't be I was in no hurry to watch it again um, this is different right? I'm, I'm going to watch this again right I, I just am and so to me you know it, it, it grades out better than WandaVision and while obviously it is meant as a conduit to more movies and stuff this is kind of this kind of stands alone better I mean WandaVision to me was like 100% conduit and well, maybe 90% conduit maybe 10% you know it's own thing this is more like I don't know, um, 70-30, its own thing, so, they got a good grade for me, I recommend it if you haven't watched it yet, and, yay, <laughs> another successful one in the books, so now, looking forward to Captain America 4, uh, looking forward to, well, Loki is coming in June, um, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be good and entertaining. I'm not that pressed for it, really. Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch it. We'll see how it goes. And then, you know, the, the Hawkeye series is later this year, I think. 
So actually, I'm more up for that than than Loki, and I'm more up for Black Widow than the movie than you know. Because I kind of like see when it comes to the Marvel stuff, I kind of like the you know the Captain America side of things better than like the X Men and Fantastic Four and all of that. So I'm more into this Captain, you know. Falcon and Winter Soldier and Black Widow and Hawkeye and that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm more interested in that side of it. So we'll see how it goes, though. And But it was good, so check it out, definitely, if you haven't already. And we'll take a break and be right back. Oh, one important thing I wanted to get to about the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was the part towards the end where... Okay, spoiler alert. Big time spoiler alert. Alright, if you haven't watched it yet, and you're still waiting to watch it, or whatever, and you don't want things spoiled, then skip ahead about five minutes, or maybe ten minutes, yeah. Okay, anyway, alright, now we got that out of the way. But the, the scene towards the end, where Sam is talking with Isaiah Bradley, and... You know, when Isaiah wasn't like 100% sunshine and rainbows after seeing Sam in action, even though his face did brighten up when Sam, you know, gave what was essentially a Captain America speech, right? And they were talking, and Sam was like, look, um, his words were, you know, I might fail at this, and that is being Captain America. Yeah, I may get killed. But I'm still going to do it, and, you know, basically, you know, we, we being black people, you know, we built this country, and we bled for this country, we sure as hell can fight for this country. And then he takes Isaiah to the museum, you know, the same museum where they had, like, the stuff with the Captain, you know, Steve and the Howling Commandos and all that stuff, and there's a display... You know, honoring Isaiah Bradley, and it spells out the truth, like just, you know, it wasn't some sugar-coated account, and, and, you know, and, you know, Isaiah starts breaking down, and they hug, and all that stuff, and uh, me and a lot of other people, you know, that I talked to were tearing up, man, at that scene, because... Look, there have been black men fighting in the real-life armed forces going back to the American Revolution. Alright. Fighting for this country, sacrificing for this country, dying for this country. And one of the kind of sticking points is that these men don't get the same recognition. They never have. Right? They don't get the same recognition. They don't get the same rewards. They don't get the same respect. Right? And this goes back to, you know, black men fighting the Nazis and then coming home and getting lynched because they dared walk around town in their uniform. All right? Uh... 
you know, and, you know, the, the Tuskegee Airmen never getting much of any recognition. Right, you hear about General Patton and, you know, and, you know, the, the men storming the region of Normandy and Band of Brothers and all that, you know, and, uh, right, you know, and those stories get told and retold, you know, Saving Private Ryan, even though that's, I mean, that's a fictional story, but still, right, I mean, that, that stories like that get told and retold, right, I mean, and, you know, guys like Isaiah Bradley, right, I mean, real life Isaiah Bradley's, are just out there not getting the recognition or the respect that they've earned. Not that they deserve, that they've earned. And, you know, and, and look, in this story, you know, Isaiah Bradley got put in jail, right? I mean, he got shot up with a kind of variant of the same super soldier stuff that they gave Steve Rogers, except he didn't know what it was. And kind of a parallel, kind of a dark parallel to Rogers. You know, in the first Captain America movie, you know, Rogers goes against orders, runs up in the Hydra camp, breaks out a bunch of his guys, and brings them back. And then, you know, when he arrives back at base, you know, he immediately offers himself up to be, you know, court martialed or whatever. And then commanding officer is like, "Are you what? Are you crazy?" And he gets, you know, he gets promoted, he gets accommodation, he gets a, uh, he gets, you know, the Captain America shield and all of this stuff. Gets his own unit to, you know, command, the Howling Commandos, right? And, you know, Isaiah Bradley goes against orders, breaks out some of his guys out of a place that, you know, that they were going to bomb to just cover up some things. So Isaiah Bradley, you know, goes against orders goes into the camp, breaks out a bunch of his guys, brings them back, and they put him in jail. And experiment on him for 30 years. And so, yeah, after, and then, so he's bitter as hell. Which he should be. I mean, come on. You would be too. I mean, you know, and, you know, for people to expect him to just, you know, flip and go to become old and just, you know, forgive and forget so to speak, right, and he has not forgiven or forgotten, and it's important here that even though Sam is the more optimistic one, he's the most optimistic of everyone there in the story, in the series, he doesn't patronize Isaiah, he doesn't, you know, hit him with some bullshit, you know, some, you know, some, some sunshine happy talk, right, he doesn't do that. Right, he listens to Isaiah. He hears him out. He gives him he gives him the respect that he deserves as a veteran and as a black man. Right, he doesn't try to talk him out of feeling the way he feels. Right, he listens. Now, ultimately, Sam makes his own decision because you know Isaiah tells him like, one, they won't ever let you be Captain America, and two, if they did. You'd be a fool to take it. 
which I mean that's that's that's, that's real. And when the, the series is about Sam coming into his own reasons and his own beliefs as to why as to take up into taking up the mantle, right? Mm-hmm. Not for Steve Rogers, not you know. Don't take it up for Steve. Don't take it up because, you know, Bucky thinks you should take it because that's what Steve said. You know, don't think, don't, don't take it up because, you know, some of the other people he's worked with, fought with, whatever, say, well, he's the best man for the job. Yes, take it. Go on then. Um, right, none of those reasons. Right? Uh, he's got to find his own reasons to do it. And Isaiah Bradley is a big part of that. Because Isaiah Bradley is the rightfully, you know, pissed off part of black America, basically. Who, again, has not forgiven, has not forgotten, is not going to move on. And, you know, Sam doesn't, again, try to win him over with sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, and then it's just their whole kind of relationship is just indicative of you know the relationship we have as black people with this country and that you know there are people who think we should just forgive and forget and move on and not dwell on the past right and we're kind of sitting over here saying that we can't move on until we deal with the past and the present for that matter right uh, we can't and you know we want just some damn acknowledgement of what was done and not in some vague you know yeah, slavery was the original sin of the country. Uh, no, not that. All right. I mean, there are specific ways in which we were done wrong, you know, after slavery. Still today. And, you know, we need y'all to acknowledge that. Acknowledge it in detail, right? housing discrimination, you know, employment discrimination, you know, police discrimination, you know, political discrimination, right? There's all types of just detailed ways in which these things are enacted upon us even today. And we can't even get y'all to acknowledge that, that it goes on. So the way that little the, the, the plaque they had telling Isaiah Bradley's story, it was important because they told the actual story. And that was as much of an emotional kick as anything. That you know, and, and look, it's it's fiction, right? I mean, yes, in real life there'd be some whitewashed, you know, penny ante bullshit version of what happened. But 
that here they didn't do that and that's one of the reasons why it hit like it did and look man at the end of the day it's real simple one y'all need to do better by us but then you also need to recognize and acknowledge just what the hell you did that was wrong all right I mean, you do those two things, a whole lot of stuff will get a lot better real fast. You know, but we live in a world now where, I mean, there are people actively out here lying and saying that certain things did not happen and do not happen when they're happening right in our faces. I mean, that's the other piece to it, but that, I mean, we have people out here actively saying that, well, no, this isn't going on. No, there's no systemic racism. No, you know, no, there's no racism in law enforcement. No, no, no. Right, there are people out here actively saying that now. I mean, there are people who actually believe that, you know, because Barack Obama was elected president in 2008, and then 12 years later, Kamala Harris got elected vice president. That racism is over. There are people who honestly believe that. You know, who honestly believe that. Um, you know, Michael Jordan becoming such a big celebrity means racism is over. That Oprah Winfrey, you know, creating a media empire means that racism is over. It's like, no. Those are individual people who, you know, broke through despite all the bullshit. That doesn't mean the bullshit is over. It means these people were so exceptional, they were so phenomenal that they were able to succeed in spite of it all. And it shouldn't take that. I mean, it just shouldn't. I mean, we should get the same success for being regular as y'all do. Okay, that, that's when we know there's some semblance of equality. All right, when my mediocrity gets the same thing, gets me the same things that your mediocrity can. And I know that sounds like weird and counterproductive or contradictory or whatever you want, whatever term you want to use. So Isaiah Bradley's whole thing is that, look, I did the same thing Steve Rogers did. Y'all gave him accolades and his own unit and all this and that and the other, and y'all put me in jail. And then acted like it didn't happen. So it's just important that his story, the whole story gets recognized. And that's what he want, right? Just tell the truth. Tell what happened. Right? That's more important than giving him a medal or something, right? Or giving him some, you know, theatrical apology or whatever. Right? Recognize what happened. And give him the respect 
for serving his country the same kind of respect that you gave Steve Rogers. That's what he wanted. And that look, that doesn't magically make him feel better about everything. But it's just, it's important. And that's why that scene hits like it did. Because, first and foremost, we need the truth. The truth to be told. And the truth to be recognized and understood. Right, and, and um, it's an important thing. When uh, Sam was talking to Bucky, one of the biggest, important, most important lines. Because you know, Bucky was trying, basically, to make up for crappy had done. He was a winter soldier. And it was the same kind of old performative you know, bullshit, and it wasn't helping anybody, it wasn't helping the people he had hurt, and it wasn't helping him, you know, so Sam told him, and like, well, look, you know, he said do the work, but the other thing was stop trying to do stuff to make yourself feel better, and focus on doing stuff to make the victims feel better, to make the people that you hurt feel better. Right, if you want, I mean, if you want to really make amends, that's what you do. And, and when it comes to dealing with you know, racism of the past, it seems like we get a bunch of stuff that is, you know, enacted to make white folks feel better about themselves. Right? Like, even, even electing Obama, like, there was a whole lot of patent yourselves on the back from white people see look what we did we voted for the negro well actually most of y'all didn't okay that being most of y'all didn't vote for the negro right just a few more of y'all voted for the negro than normally vote democrat or that voted democrat in the previous cycle all right so let's not, <laughs> I mean, that that part alone is just hilarious. But yeah, it's like, look at us. We voted for the Negro. And then 12 years later, look at us. We voted for another Negro to back up the old white guy. I mean, and not to mention when you voted for the Negro the first time, he was backed up by the same old white guy. Right, but that, I mean, doing that is some measure of making yourselves feel better is a load of shit. And so would, you know, would it have been if they'd issued some, you know, kind of whitewashed, wishy-washy apology to Isaiah and given him some, you know, bullshit-ass medal or something. Right, the most important thing is that they, they told the entire story they told the truth that's what, that's, what, that's what we want okay obviously we want to be treated better but we also want some recognition more recognition of the truth even things like slavery right I mean a lot of places slavery is just oh well they brought some Africans here and they made them work and they didn't pay them. And then some of y'all like, like y'all did us a favor. Like, you know, 
For we rescued y'all from the savage land and brought you here. And if it wasn't for that, you know, slavery was bad and all, but, you know, we brought y'all out of the jungle here. So if we hadn't have done that to you, it wouldn't be where you are today. And that's a load of shit. Alright. Right, I mean, you know, we want an acknowledgement of slavery. We want, like, the full acknowledgement of everything that it entailed. It wasn't just people working in the fields and not getting paid for it. Right? Now, I'm not going to get into all that right now. But anyway... That was the important thing about Isaiah's part of the series, is that he represented mistreatment and hiding of the truth. And while you can't do anything about the mistreatment other than do better from here on out, you can stop hiding the truth. And that's ultimately what they did. And that was one of those few minutes just added just an extra emotional punch to that whole series. And it was something that I'm honestly going in was not expecting all that because, I mean, it's a Disney property. And you don't get stuff that real and that raw from, you know, Disney properties that are, you know, mass marketed and whatever. So I'm thankful for that, you know. Shout out to Kevin Feige. Not, you know, for assembling a writing room and a production team that was, you know, that went there. And for not, you know, stifling them or trying to, you know, get them to whitewash it or dress it up in flowery language or whatever, right? I mean, they went there. They went there about as hard as you're going to get something like that and they you know they deserve kudos for that and like I'm writing some stuff about it and all and I'm gonna go into more detail and all that maybe <laughs> but anyway um so that that's just some of what I think about it and again you know I recommend it go watch it it's good it's really good enjoy and now we're gonna take a break back in a minute Kiss 
All right, so I think that's going to be it for this week. We're going to keep it short. Or shorter than usual. <laughs> I'm going to close things out. And the president gave his first address. Basically, that kind of the, the not quite State of the Union. Because that won't come until next year. Right? But... I mean, basically, it was a for all intents and purposes a State of the Union address type of thing. And, well, for one, i got to say it's nice to be able to watch the president speak and not worry about how this dude is going to try to kill us today. Because we dealt with that for the last four years. And to any of you MAGA folk that uh, don't like the sound of that, oh, well, yeah, anyhow. But um, look, he proposed a lot of stuff, and one couple, well, one of the things that really jumped out at me was basically, quote unquote, free preschool and daycare for kids that are three and four years old. Now my kids are older than that now, so it, it won't help me. You know, so I won't be partaking in that, or you know, should it become a thing. But look, it's huge. All right. Preschool and daycare costs a grip. Alright, when you are, okay, it does. And the only time it doesn't is if, you know, I mean, if you live in an area code or zip code or whatever, where it, they charge less. But even then, let me tell you, less means, you know, $150 a week. Alright, that's less. And if you're struggling to make ends meet, that ain't nothing. Well, what I mean by that ain't nothing, I mean that that's not a small amount of money. Okay, been there. Now, on the other hand, um, and at the other end of it, I mean, you're talking anywhere from three to five hundred, maybe, maybe more. I mean, if you're in some rich, well, if I guess you're rich, then you won't be getting in the program anyway. But I mean, it could easily be 300, 350, 400 or more, right? Um, that's a lot of money every week. So, yeah, to be relieved from that every week would lift a huge burden off of a lot of people. Now, look, now, you know, I know like Bernie Sanders put out there the whole free college thing. And, oh, well, now, as part of Biden's proposal, he's also proposed, I think, making some parts of community college free. And, look, by free, free means that, you know, some people's taxes are going to go up a little bit. And then that will be used to fund the program. All right. Now, of the two, I mean, I, I'm for both. But if you got to do one... If you can only get one, um, I'd go for the preschool because that's on the front end. I mean, you got time to figure out what to do as far as higher education. And your kid may not want to go to college or be suited to go to college. Or, you know, you can figure, might have something, other thing figured out or whatever, right? I mean, your kid might get a scholarship even, right? So, but you got time. You got no time at the beginning, right? 
from you know infancy to when they're of age for you to send them off to elementary school, kindergarten, whatever. Right? I mean, you got to pay that immediately. So, getting some of that burden up off of you on the front end can be a real just game changer for a lot of people. So I hope it makes it through. I hope he gets passed. And if if it gets blocked, then you know you really need to look at those people who are blocking it and ask yourself why. Well, actually, no, you need to ask them why. And if they don't give you a good enough answer, then you need to drag them appropriately. <laughs> Another thing I saw, some of these right-wing mega folks are complaining that people are getting too much money right now, like, like between the stimulus money people, some people got and unemployment, you know, the extended unemployment some people are getting, that people are getting too much money. Because they're getting too much money, some like stores and restaurants are having trouble staffing because they can't find people to take the work. Well, I look at it like this. And this is just me repeating some of the rebuttals I've seen on like Twitter and whatnot. But it's also stuff I do believe. That you're asking people to work food service or other kind of minimum, quote unquote, minimum wage jobs. While we are still in the pandemic, it's not over, right? I mean, I mean, too, these places, these, these, a lot of these governors and whatnot, they keep trying, like you know, they're they're, they're trying to roll back everything, and look, we see light at the end of the tunnel. But right now, the light at the end of the tunnel is still the four train. Okay, if you're not careful. But, um, you know, you're asking people to go back under still dangerous conditions, be in these cramped, closed quarters. And remember, these places are like the most dangerous, you know, cramped, closed quarters. Right? And they want people to come back there and work and in the highest risk conditions to catch COVID as COVID is not gone. Right? And they want you to come back there for $7.25 an hour. And right now people are doing better than that. So as long as they got the relief, they are gonna ride it out until they get something better. So what that should tell you is Maybe you should pay people more money. Alright. If you can't get people to come work for $7.25, maybe you need to offer them more than that. Okay. Maybe that's what you need to do. I mean, I thought business owners were all about the market and, and everything. Which, of course, is a lie. It's a lie. They're not about the market. 
especially these like big corporations, these you know and whatnot. No, they're not about the free market. Okay. They need and want the game rigged so that they don't have to pay people a lot of money and they can maximize their profits. And now they're being faced, some of these places are being faced with a real kind of market supply and demand situation. So you're going to have to pay people more if you want them to come in there and stock your shelves or bust your tables or wait on people, whatever, right? And now, right now the goal is, you know, $15 minimum wage. And, you know, there's some debate on the left even about whether just to, to throw it on all at once or to phase it in or what. Or to, or to, or to accept, like, a compromise, like $11 or something. Well, it needs to be $15, all right? And actually, 15 is outdated. But it should be more than that. Are you on how jacked up this is? Because particularly, like, for waiters and waitresses. All right. Restaurants get a, are get, have been getting away with one of the biggest scams ever for a very long time. Whereas they pay significantly less than the actual minimum wage because they factor in tips as income. Right? When I started, I waited on tables in high school. Alright, when I started, it was $201 an hour, $2.01. And at that time, like the federal minimum wage was like three fifty-five or something. When I left, it was because I left when I graduated. That was nineteen ninety-two. It was two thirteen in nineteen ninety-two. Two thirteen. Yeah, how much it is now? Yeah, how much the the, the, the hourly wage is for waiters now? Well, it was again. It was two thirteen in nineteen ninety-two when I graduated high school. You know what it is now, like almost 30 years later? 213! It's the same! At least I'm pretty sure it is. I, I looked, last time I looked this up, it was 213. Now, maybe it might be a few cents more if I, if I, if I goofed. But for the sake of argument, I'm, I'm just gonna act like I'm right. Because if, it is, if it's more than that, it's not like it's $4 or something. Now it's still. It might be 218 and not 213, but still. Alright, for all intents and purposes, it is still 213. Almost 30 years later. Now the federal minimum wage now is 725. So that's gone up by almost four dollars since I was in high school. And yet they pay alright, so come on folks. That's what we're talking about here, right? I mean so they want they want you to come back and wait on tables for two thirteen an hour because they count tips as part of your income, and you're not going to be as much you're not going to get as much money in tips now because they can lift all the restrictions they want. Some of us still not going back to the restaurant to eat. I I'm not going back until we have you know, a maximum level of people vaccinated and we have some, you know, we've had enough kind of time in the, in the tank there of 
stuff haven't been open and, and, and COVID not going up, all right? So I may not be sitting in a restaurant eating until like next year, all right? Now, and now I'm not the only one who thinks that way. So they want you to come back. They want you to come work for two thirteen an hour, less money than you would know, than you would have been making in tips before COVID. And they're looking around like, well, why don't people want to come back and work? Because you're not paying nothing, you clown. Pay people more money. All right. Period. End of story. Pay them more. More will come back to work if you pay them more. But anyhow, that's just, you know, more on that for another time. Um, so I'm gonna, look, we're going to get out of here now. Just pay people more. Pay people more money. Um, so look, let's get out of here. Um, and listen, I... Well, first... You know, if you want to hear me talk some pro wrestling at length, I was on once again on the Mindless Musings podcast with DJ... Listen to that. Go check that out. And actually, I want to ask something to you guys. You know, if you're the praying kind of people, uh, my mom could use a few right now. You know, she's just going through some some medical stuff here. Um, so if you are so inclined, if that's you know, if you if that's the thing that you do, say a couple for Rob's mom, will you? I appreciate it. So. As always, um, you know, take care of yourselves out there. Show's not over with COVID. Still got ways to go. So don't be reckless out there. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Get vaccinated. And uh, God bless you guys. I'll talk to you next week.
Down, I get away.